section seven of a day at a time by archibald alexander this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by marianne section seven the washen face in wartime and he washed his face and went out and refrained himself and said set on bread genesis chapter forty three verse thirty one that is what Joseph did when his feelings nearly overmastered him at the sight of his brother Benjamin standing before him, all unconscious of who he was. He sought where to weep, says the record with quaint matter-of-factness, for of course he did not want his brothers to see him weeping just yet. So he entered into his chamber and wept there. But Joseph's secret affections being thus recognized and allowed their expression, he had a duty to perform. He put a curb upon his feelings. He took a firm grip of himself. He washed his face and went out, and refrained himself, and said, Set on bread. One cannot help admiring that. It was a fine thing to do. And there are two classes of people in our own time in whom one sees this same attitude, and never without a strange stirring of heart. The first and most honorable are those who have already tasted of the sorrows of war and lost some dear one in the service of king and country. We speak of the courage and sacrifice of our men, and we cannot speak too highly or too gratefully about that. But there is something else that runs it very close, if it does not exceed it, and that is the quiet heroism and endurance of many of those who have been bereaved. Time and again one sees them facing up to all life's calls upon them with a marvelous spirit of self-restraint. God only knows how sad and sore their loss is, and upon what takes place when they enter into their chamber and shut the door and face their sorrow alone with God, it does not beseem us to intrude. Such sorrow is a sacred thing, but at least we know, and are glad to know, that God himself is there as he is nowhere else. It is never wrong and never weak to let the tears come before him. As a father understands, so does he know all about it. As a mother comforteth, so does the touch of his hand quieten and console. But what fills one with reverent admiration is that so many of those whose hearts we know have been so cruelly wounded have set up a new and noble precedent in the matter of courage and self-control. They are not shirking any of the duties of life. They are claiming no exemptions on the ground of their sorrow, and they excuse themselves from no duty merely because it would hurt. They wear their hurt gently like a flower in the breast. They carry their sorrow like a coronet. Out from their secret chambers they come, with washen face and brave lips to do their duty and refrain themselves. How beautiful it is! What a fine thing to see! The sorrowing mother of a noble young fellow I am proud to have known said to a friend recently who was marveling at her fortitude, My boy was very brave, and I must try to be brave, too, for his sake. Dear, gentle mother, one cannot speak worthily about a spirit so sweet and gracious as that. One can only bow the head and breathe the inward prayer. God send thee peace, brave heart. But, surely, to accept sorrow in that fashion is to entertain unawares an angel of God. 
The feeling which underlies this new etiquette of sorrow with the washen face is not very easily put into words, but it rests, I think, upon the dim sense that the death which ends those young lives on this noble field of battle is something different from the ordinary bleak fact of mortality. If death is ever glorious, it is when it comes to the soldier fighting for a pure and worthy cause. There is something more than sorrow. There is even a quiet and reverent pride in the remembrance that the beloved life was given as a ransom for many. When one thinks what we are fighting for, one can hardly deny to the fallen the supreme honor of the words, for Christ's sake. And it is not death to fall so. Rather, it is finding of life larger and more glorious still. It is that that marks the war mourners of today as a caste royal and apart. It is that that moves so many of them by an inward instinct to wear their sorrow royally. Hidden in the heart of their grief is a tender and wistful pride. Lowell has put this feeling into very fine words. I, with uncovered head, salute the sacred dead, who went and who returned not. Say not so. Tis not the grapes of Canaan that repay, but the high faith that fails not by the way. Virtue treads paths that end not in the grave. No bar of endless night exiles the brave. And to the saner mind, we rather seem the dead that stayed behind. The other class who are teaching us a new and better way to bear burdens are the friends at home of those who are on active service. Men with sons in the trenches are going about our streets these days almost as if nothing were happening, making it a point of honor not to let the lurking fear in their hearts have any outward expression. Wives and mothers and sisters are filling their hands and their hearts full of duties and putting such a brave face on life that you would never suspect they have a chamber that could tell a different tale. It is absolutely splendid. There is no other word for it. I walked a street length with a young wife recently whose man had been ill and out of the fight for a while. She hoped that he might have been sent home, and who could blame her? But he has gone back to the trenches instead, and how bravely and quietly she spoke of it. Pride, a true and noble pride in her beloved soldier, a resolute endeavor to do her difficult bit as uncomplainingly and as unwillingly as he. It seemed to me that I saw all that in her brave smile, and I said to myself, Here is the cult of the washen face, and a noble cult too. Britain surely deserves to win when her women carry their crosses so. It is easy, of course, to read the thought in their minds. Our men, they say, are splendid. Why should we be doleful and despondent? They have made a new virtue of cheerfulness. Let us try to learn it, too. They have offered everything in a cause which it is an honor to help in any degree. Let us lay beside theirs the worthy sacrifice of the washen face and a brave restraint. Such, I imagine, is the unconscious kind of reasoning which results in the resolute and cheerful bearing you see on all sides of you every day. And wherever it is seen, it carries its blessing with it. Others, with their own private burdens and anxieties, are encouraged to hold on to that hope and cheerfulness, which are just the homely side of our faith in God and in the righteousness of our cause. 
The cult of the washen face is contagious. It spreads like a beneficent stain. And since it is entirely praiseworthy, we can but wish it to spread more and more. Those who come out from the chambers where they have kept company with sorrow or anxiety, to face life and duty with shining face and mastered feelings, are not only proving their faith in the divine strength, they are making a precious contribution to the moral steadfastness of the nation. And he washed his face and went out and refrained himself. Good man. Prayer We bless thee, O God, for the assurance that thine ear is ever open to our cry, that it is never wrong to take our sorrows and cares to thee. But help us also, endowed with thy strength in our secret chambers, to bear our burdens bravely in the sight of men. For thy name's sake. Amen. End of section 7